The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. Um, how'd you hear about my podcast? Just seeing stuff on the... Just on the book face. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy, I like to call him my friend. He may deny it, but he's my friend. And <laughs> uh, so just kind of, you know, listen to him and then being recommended to check this out. And then, and yeah, and then I just saw your list go up on that one post. And uh, education was open. So I was like, hey, uh, let me see if this would even go down. I I had no hopes at all that it was going to be like, oh, yeah, why don't you come on? You know, so pleasantly surprised. Yeah, you know, the the, the hundreds of people that I get, uh, you know, to try to come on, you know, I I just, uh, you know, had a good feeling about you. I'll just, uh, you know, I'll give this person a chance. You know, everybody else is beating at my doors, but, you know. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> and then just stalking you in the bushes and such. I get it. I understand. It's a difficult life you live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I apologize in advance. I'm giving you a blanket apology now. Who knows what's going to happen? No, so. that's okay. I, 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 <laughs> when I first started thinking about this song and kind of listening to it and stuff, it's kind of like, oh man, what the hell am I going to say about it? And then it's like, okay, I think I got some stuff in here. We'll see. We'll see how far out I get. Yeah, there's something. You post edit this stuff. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. That's all I needed. To, I was like, how how straight of a of a rec- recording is this? <laughs> no, it's it's uh it's heavily edited. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I may request some random sound effects if that's okay. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 34 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the Lost Dog Education with guest Leela Barzagar. Hello, Leela. Hello. Hey, it's good to have you. This is the first time on the podcast. I'm I'm busting in. I'm I'm bringing it in VIP right now. Super excited. Hell yeah! It's always good to have uh, uh, brand new people because then I get to bust out my signature segment where I ask. <laughs> Leela, yes. when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. This is the um, <laughs> this is the question. I like it. Okay. Uh, actually, my my brother was a fan before I was. I remember the first time I heard Pearl Jam was uh, as a little sister is not allowed into the Big Brother room. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hanging outside his door, and I heard Garden for the first time through a door, a bedroom door. And that's kind of where I heard them the first time and kind of did some sneaking into CD cases and that type of stuff. And it became something really big for um, he and my sister. So my sister's about 10 years older than I am, and he's about four years. So I was definitely like the baby baby. And um, I became interested just because really they didn't want me around and listening whenever they were listening. (laughs) So they kind of pioneered it. They both attended the Red Rock show. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have 
I still have my sister's the Scarab Beetle ticket in my little Pearl Jam memory box, uh, which I didn't attend, but I pretended I did. We picked them up. I remember picking them up from that show. We were driving cross country to California. And I remember they had to go to the show before we started heading out that way. So, uh, so started around then. And then I became, as soon as I, I got a job, I was able to join the Vitalogy Health Club. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. As, as it was known, one of the many names. One of the many names. It was like, you know, you got the postcard and you wrote in all your orders and, you know, that type of thing. That's that's kind of when I really started getting into them. And it was my first show was Fiddler's Green 98. And uh, my brother took me to that one. He couldn't believe I actually pulled tickets for that show. And uh, that was my my first show ever. And it so happened to be Pearl Jam. And I was lucky. We were, I remember vividly, it was, we were eighth row directly lined with Eddie's mic. Oh, wow. And I just, so it was just super overwhelming for, you know, 15-year-old Leela being there. And then with my brother, who I just revere beyond all knowing. So it was, that's kind of how it all started was through that and so kind of early on and then just became more and more you know involved in what they stood for as well as I became a little bit older and you know every album takes on different skin depending on what you're going through and and just really got into them so that's kind of where uh it all began was my brother who didn't want me to listen to them as I pressed my little ear against the door (laughs) (laughs) uh to garden so and then eventually especially uh you know, the 2018 uh, Wrigley shows is where I really started getting involved with just kind of the Pearl Jam community. Facebook really started kind of blowing up in that respect for me about connecting with people and um, and had grand plans for, you know, the tour uh, for 2019 and had some things lined up. But uh, the COVID, the 19 came through and kind of threw that by the wayside. But, you know, I think that if it didn't, I wouldn't have created the strengthen some of the relationships I did over the time, which, you know, really helped me through the pandemic and mm-hmm. made, I think, Gigaton a little bit more sense to me than it would have if it wasn't released during the pandemic. Just like my opinion. I know that people, people hate on Gigaton, but <laughs> and I'm just like, get it, like, get it together, everyone. Uh, so, so yeah, so just kind of been a big thing. And my husband's a big poster guy. He's kind of into... Uh, the the poster gig art scene and mm-hmm. I I kind of looped him in a little bit I kind of snagged him when I don't know if you remember are you a poster guy do you poster uh I'll get I'll get the posters for the, for the shows that I've uh, been to but I'm not really into like collecting all of them and stuff like that it's sort of like oh okay you know I mean it doesn't it wouldn't mean anything to me I guess if I just got something that looked cool I guess yeah I I feel like it's like it's like uh, baseball cards, like people, you know, collect variants and mm-hmm. this is the number and no offense to my poster people, Let me, poster people, I'm sorry if I offended you right there, but he, we were going to the Wrigley shows and um, there's an artist by the name of Joey Feldman. He does uh, some artwork. He did this Wrigley one where it's the Plague Doctor. I don't know if you kind of ever recognize mm-hmm. it's the Plague Doctor. Yeah. So I, I kind of brought that to his attention. I was like, hey, you know, I know that you're into postery and stuff. Have you ever heard of this guy? And uh, he said, like, not really. And he kind of, he dug it, his work. Looks like there's this artist. His name is uh, Ralph Steadman. Yeah. He did. Fear and Loathing. Yeah. So he did the Fear and Loathing. So actually it ended up being um, 
Joey is actually his understudy kind of worked underneath him oh, wow. as a, and he was his mentor. And I was like, doesn't it remind you of Ralph Steadman? And he's like, oh yeah, you know. And and then so here's the connection. And actually that blossomed as a, into a really good friendship between he and my husband. And cool. Um, so it kind of went full circle. So now my husband's kind of stuck with me and tolerates my pearl jamminess and the family supports it all. And I was able to do some shows this tour. And so Pearl Jam's just, you know, part of the therapy and really happy that I was able to to see them as much as I did and kind of share the passion that, you know, other people have and connect with those people as well all across the country and, and the world and just just really fortunate to exist in this timeline, as people say, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's that's my origin story. There's no, uh, you know, nuclear waste or anything, <laughs> but here I am. So then did uh, you and your brother have to have your own copies of uh, the albums and stuff or? Yeah, he didn't. I actually, when No Code came out, it was a big deal mm-hmm. because it was one of those first ones that I got. And he so happened to have bought it the same day, but at a different store. Ah. So he thought I, I ganked it from him. And I was like, no, I was like, no, sir, absolutely not. This is mine. And he, <laughs> so that was actually one of the, the first like fights my mom had to kind of break up. And I was like, look at my Polaroids. <laughs> my Polaroids are different than yours. And that's kind of how <laughs> we uh, ended up, you know, settling the disputes at the time. But uh, then he went off to college and, you know, kind of went his own way as far as music. And mm-hmm. I kind of stayed, but there was definitely, there were some tense moments for sure in the household for for that time we coexisted was someone like oh i know the lyrics to red mosquito and you don't because you have the other one it's like ah oh yeah i have around the bend and you don't <laughs> no it, it seriously was like it, it got to the point where i had to hide my stuff away because he oh. thought, i actually did take actually I will, i'll confess to this i will not I will, <laughs> but i did take a couple of his shirts there's a do you remember the old Pearl Jam, like the European tour one, where they're like hanging from the letters and it has like the world on the back? It's like um, kind of familiar. Kind of familiar. Maybe I'll. Put Is that it. the one where like they're kind of like drawn like sort of yeah cartoons? Yeah, sort of like um, what you call it? Like people on the boardwalk doing uh, caricatures. Caricatures, that's yeah. A, on the boardwalk. Kind of like that looking. Yeah, on it. that's the same. That's the one where they're just cartoon okay. i stole that shirt <laughs> and and i will confess to it and i actually found it the other day with holes i don't know if they were there from like being worn or there were moths but i'm gonna say it was a dedicated wearing that created those holes and mm-hmm. uh, so i still have it you know 25 26 plus years later when i stole it from him and, and here we go so my confession people my confession <laughs> here today well, now we'll uh, we'll know if he listens to the podcast because you'll get a uh, call and right. Oh, <laughs> yikes! Put that out. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry again. Blanket statement. My apologies here now. Um, anything I say cannot be used against me in a court of law. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> maybe you just. I'll just put in a, a beeps over uh, what it was. <laughs> yeah, or that. Uh, yeah, the Flintstones. Do the Flintstones beep <laughs> during that part. So we're here today to talk about the binaural outtake education. Uh, everybody can grab your Lost Dogs booklets and uh, open it up and read along. Uh, what's it say? Where is it? Uh, yes, uh, Ed wrote the music and lyrics, and he has to say, Matt, his family, and I went to a far-off place on vacation. The first two days, we were writing and recording a song a day. 
Then we remembered we were on vacation. I'm a seed wondering why it grows. Sums me up. I'm questioning my education. Also, one other thing to note on here is it says that Mike uh, plays a bit of piano on this as well. Oh. Although I can't hear any hear piano. <laughs> I was going to say. I can hear like a weird sort of keyboard thing on it. Brent, has he done that before? Um, Do we know? Can we check the stats? I think Mike plays a little bit of piano on Inside Job. Hmm. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me check my on that too if it says that uh no nothing on there wait uh no does not say what they play interesting yeah but uh yeah ed- education can't really hear much of uh piano on that so i don't know where it's maybe it was the recording style well when i uh, w- it out. when i uh you know typed in to my uh my itunes to listen to the different versions that i have uh let's see it's it's only been played nine times Interesting. Uh, so far, first time was in 2006, August 23rd in Ireland. Oh, wow. Uh, other notable performances, they played it at PJ20 with uh, Liam Finn doing some background vocals on it. No. Oh. Uh, also at the Vic Theater Show, which is uh, vault number two. Nine times. Okay. That's like close to how many times like Fatal's been played. Yeah. It's all kind of all working together. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, of those nine, I have... Uh, five <laughs> five oh. five of those versions that i found on here it's like oh wow i just happen to have like most of them you just had, you've been hoarding them you didn't even know no i didn't it's like well i have the vault so i got that and then i think they also played it at uh, uh Lollapalooza in uh 2007 so i got that one too so uh let's see there's uh also what i found is i have two different sort of demo versions oh of it uh oh. one has a little bit sort of longer introduction into it. Matt sort of playing more drums before everybody else comes in, and it's it's a lot less produced. It does sound like a real sort of demo or at least scratch track version of it or something like that. You can like hear the individual pretty much, you know, just three guitars in it. other sort of demo version i have has an alternate lyric in it Ooh, is it pivotal uh not necessarily it is sort of uh interesting though uh at the end it says uh, i'm questioning my education rewind and what does it show could be the truth it becomes you i'm a seed wondering why it grows uh but in this version it is i'm questioning part mm-hmm. what's the snowman what's with the snow yeah well let's uh here let's get into the lyrics a little bit i think that um maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll find out what it all means we can just completely unpack it 
Yep. Here we are. Pioneers. <laughs> Do you have any sort of, uh, you, you haven't seen the song live then, I guess. <laughs> since it's, No, uh, yeah. no, not, I was not at the, at the nine showings. Um, it would have been great if, as soon as, okay. When, when they played fatal, when went in Frankfurt, is that what they, they opened with? I think mm-hmm. then I was like, Oh, this could happen. Maybe I could get, you know, maybe I could get it on tour uh, because, you know, I did uh, MSG in St. Louis and uh, Nashville and Denver. And I was like, well, maybe we'd get it if they're going to play some Fatal. But um, no, I have I have not been able to snag that on my uh, my live footsteps as of now. That's not part of my stats. Maybe maybe someday, but but not right now. Yeah, it's I, I don't know, like, why they wouldn't want to play it it's it is a very simple sort of song um it's got kind of a sort of shuffle sort of sound to it you can tell like ed sort of wrote it because he likes to do the the, the little dun 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 mm-hmm. sort of playing on it sounds sort of spanish middle easternish like that drum the tri- like a tribally type of drum situation mm-hmm. kind of like uh because then it's like it's almost like a sad situation right yeah so it kind of yeah there's that but that was like what this was was this bat's first album with the guys yeah by now yeah. yeah okay so bringing it in with that that little tribal but that i think that's one of the things that right away catches me is the that drum and pulling it in and mm-hmm. and kind of like how they were doing you know this last leg and then the last show of the european is you know stools are out so you know we're gonna get those kind of softer deeper songs and this would have been awesome for them to have used in those like you know those fives that they they chose they opened up with mm-hmm. because you can see that i don't know in my mind i see the whole the stage set up just as like low darkness like they they were doing for those opening five so this would have been a really cool kind of in your face surprise you're like the one where they play right before you know right before they all start and like they start standing up with this song and stuff to try to get into it because then at the end you know mike can just go crazy on the guitar and stuff and he hates that stool i'm like <laughs> why'd you put that man in that stool like he's itching he's like at the end of it i just wanted him to kick it over at one point just wanted to be like a good horse back kick (laughs) but that yeah no i think that would have been great it would have been a good a good vision but you never know you know ed always has his own his own vibe before the show that he makes it but maybe one day maybe one day we'll get it out which would be great yeah you can pretty much get what this song is sort of like about right yeah it's not that it's not um uh, obtuse no well this one I didn't tell you this. Well, I'm a I'm a high school English teacher. Oh, okay. Cool. So this, I was like, boom, when I started revisiting this. And and yeah, it's it's pretty much as it is and there's no really crazy layers to it and just that, you know, the comment of how we've been educated in a sense of whether it's like school system education mm-hmm. or how we're molded by by media and politics and to the point where, you know, especially now, this kind of idea of you become so molded and invested to the point where, you know, you really lack that identity in, in, to, in today's education system. Uh, kids with the phones and things like that, I can't even tell you. I, I've been teaching for 18 years and the last five years has been, have been the worst as far as kids, just lack of, of identity, lack of individuality, uh, just very drone kind of mindset. And that's kind of where we get in some of these where, you know, they don't even question what is being taught to them. They're just going through the motions. And I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing now is that people are just more and more apt to go through the motions. They have 
little fight in them anymore to kind of kind of reflect and and figure out you know why why do I do the things I do why do I follow uh, the formula the way I do and you know it's it's school that you're supposed to go to college and you're going to get a a job and what that's how it's been the last 15 years right is you go through the formula and I think you end up losing a lot of the human inside of you like like uh what there's what one of these lyrics um says a the flags are waving, the news is breaking. See the man who can't pick out his own tie, mm-hmm. you know? And again, just kind of, you have very little, you exercise, I think, is more of the word, very little choice. You're kind of just follow what societal norms or expectations or, you know, this is the set formula and, and things like that. But, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not like it used to be. Like you go to college and you would get that return on that investment, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get that job and eventually you'd pay off that tuition and stuff. But, but now, you know, college is definitely not the answer for a majority of people coming out of like the education system. There's far more opportunities than they have ever existed. Far more alternative, you know, ways of being accredited or gaining experience and being put up there. But this just kind of, again, goes along that people just kind of fall in line to that formula because that's the expectation and that's what's been written for people. And and that's, I think, some of the, the comments here is that those are people that, that follow that path. And then there's those few outliers that get out of it, start reflecting, mm-hmm. looking around and, and kind of questioning how, you know, what they've been taught or what they've been told. And is that like the truth? Is that the big T truth? Is that the little T truth? Or, and things like that. So this was like just pretty relevant recently, I think, for me as an educator. I have a son who's six years old and kind of feeling like, you know, it's a completely different path for him than it was for me um, or my husband or even my parents and things like that. And everyone like, like education to a degree, right. Is, is the equity building, right. It, mm-hmm. That's what gets people to a place where it's an even playing field to a degree, you know, if the disadvantage and things like that, but then it comes to a point where it's also you, you sacrifice a lot. And some of that uniqueness is, is pretty stomped out pretty early on if you don't, you know, follow the, the rules of the game and kind of fall in line and things like that. And you just kind of see that drift a little bit more with, at least that's what I've experienced, you know, high school kids, that's, that's your big, it's a huge milestone in your life, right? Is, is high school and that pivotal part between adolescence and adulthood and people believe they have to make the choice and that's going to dictate the rest of their life and stuff like that. So it's just really interesting how this was written so long ago, but the evolution of education, expectations, COVID even bringing out far more opportunities than there ever were Mm -hmm. before because people had to be inventive and find other outlets and things like that. So I just thought that this was, when when this was put up as an option to kind of talk about it, I was like, oh, well, this is far more dynamic than I think people really realize as far as like what's happening today, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of how... When I revisited this, I was like, yeah, this would be great to kind of pick apart if you wanted to do like a reflective piece on like social constructs and like how continue to feed the system and education is. And again, you know, I'm an educator, but I know it's a machine, you know, and we keep we keep feeding it because we don't know any other really way for a lot of people, you know. Yeah, like there's there's things where, you know, pedagogy and stuff like, uh, you know, uh socially you know there's a certain point where uh girls are not going to want to speak up in class and you know teachers call on boy start calling on boys more and stuff and you know kind of socially oh i don't want to sit in the front of the class i'm going to sit in the back and you know you don't 
call on people sitting in the back as often and stuff and so mm-hmm. there's ways that kids can feel left out and not part of the system and stuff like that you know there's also the whole sort of you know let's privatize all the schools and everything like that and uh you know schools let's run schools like a business instead of a you know a public service mm-hmm. because you know what's uh what problems are you going to solve by having kids uh well educated you know, I mean, that's not going to do anything for you right. in the future, right? You want dumb people, right? Oh, yeah. pe- oh no, and, and that's it. Like, <laughs> you don't need doctors in the future uh, or anything. It's like, it's very interesting about like, I've worked in several different, um, I guess, like demographics. I, I worked in a very Title I school, very um, low income, kind of a military community where, you know, people kind of went into the military because they had no other options. They couldn't yeah. pay for college and their parents. And so you see this like, these failing school systems, right? And you wonder why they're failing, but that's, they're doing exactly what they, they're intended to do is to create that kind of oppressed lower class system mm-hmm. because we need to, we need control, right? We can't, we can't have everybody being too smart. Uh, so we have to start putting in those systems into place. And, and then, you know, you're either going to college or you're going to go into like a vocation and okay, you know, and, and, and there's such like a stigma to being like, I'm going into automotive, like mechanics. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, like that's actually super lucrative, like in comparison to a lot of things. And, and hell yes, I, I, you know, we need electricians that, that make X amount of six digits when they come to it. And there's just, you know, not everyone's going to be a doctor and like, that's totally fine. And just stop like stigmatizing those who don't choose to go honestly in a lot of ways, except for, you know, very specialized avenues. You're spending hundreds of thousand dollars to like sit in your dorm room for four years and like drink and play video games. Like <laughs> when it comes down to it, you know, and it's just not the return on the investment that it used to be 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And, you know, I, I love those kids. Like those are the kids, the kids in the back are like my favorite kids mm-hmm. just because yeah, they fall into that line. And, uh, but those are like the coolest kids. Like those are the kids that have their personality still. Those are the kids that have like the drive and, you know, they may be stubborn, but that stubbornness is going to pay off later on, except for, you know, instead of the person up front, that's always raising their, their hand and they have all the answers and you're like, good. You have like, you have a good sense of academic industry, right? Like you'll be good in, in a hierarchy of like an office job. Like, Mm -hmm. yes. And that's your, your niche, but like, I like the kid in the back that, you know, has a skateboard like propped up against his desk and just says some really off the wall things, but like pretty insightful. But you you got to create like an environment to foster those kids that are in the back, you know. So that's I think one of the things I like as a teacher is I hit those kids that are in the back. I hit the kids that have the hoods on and just kind of create like a little bit of relationship to be like, hey, man, like there's other places in society for you. You don't have to be a drone in a lot of ways. And, mm-hmm. and there's people that need to be drones and there's people that that don't, too, you know. So it's just um, it's an interesting dynamic because either you're complacent about, you know, the school system and how you go through it or you're super active in it. You just want to get out of it or you just, you know, it's a it's a means to the end. But it's changed a lot. You know, it's changed a lot. And you were talking, you know, privatizing and, and things like that. But now like the parents in the school system right now, oh. like <laughs> talk about censorship central, you know? So I, then I, I came from this demographic of this title one. And then I went to this really, aff, let's say affluent demographic. Mm-hmm. And down there it was like, oh yeah, we don't like, 
we're so uninvolved with, with our kids. Like you do whatever you want. Yeah. Spending all my time working. I can't, you know, pay attention to what my kid's doing. I'm I'm working two jobs. My kid is working a job to help, you know, kids are are leaving class, not because they want to leave, but they they literally have to go and help pay the bills and things like that. And, and then I get thrown into like the exact opposite to where I was just told I can't teach a certain book I wanted to the other day because of we don't want parents to get upset mm-hmm. and things like that. So it just becomes like now the education system is no longer really controlled by the educators, right? It's it's the parents more so now. So it's just interesting. So the song again kind of brings up this idea of like who molded my education, right? And you're questioning it as an educator yourself. It was like, you know, how have I fallen into this system and what system is I, am I operating under? So when, when the teacher questions the, the education system in a way, I think that's, that's a, a, an alarm in itself to kind of see of like, you know, what does it look like now as opposed to when we were in school, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so, and there's, oh, I'm sorry, you can finish. No, you know, I was, <laughs> oh, please, you first. No, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I, I was going to like, and there's like, there's sort of two different levels from what I can see of certain things where it's just sort of like, oh, you know, you're questioning your education and stuff like that, where, you know, you, you, you're taught one thing and everything like that. And it's, you know, what's going to be approved by the school district and everything like that. And so it's sort of like, oh, you know, what don't I know? What aren't they telling me? Where it's sort of, you know, on one side, you have like uh, the Tuskegee experiments mm-hmm. and you have um, MK Ultra and the CIA doing a whole bunch of stuff around the globe, overthrowing governments and allowing crack to come into the inner cities and uh, yeah. the United States and stuff like that. And there's like this sort of hidden history or something like that, this knowledge. And then there's the stuff where it's like, oh, there's the protocols of elders of Zion, there's lizard people, there's conspiracies, there's this thing that they don't want you to know. Where it's like, oh, this, you have real stuff that, uh, that you aren't taught. And then you have this fake stuff that you obviously aren't taught because it's not real. And, you know, it, it like, what direction do you go when you're trying to figure out, you know, educating yourself or doing your own research or something. And then like conspiracies are created to divert your attention from other things like that. And, and I think that's one of the things I always try to like tell my kids is like news sources and let's talk about like bias and like, mm-hmm. I'm not here to like doctorate and indoctrinate anyone. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not here to like impress my views onto you and say, this is how, but it should be, I always be like, you know, think of the, of other perspectives. Think of what has media done and, and how does media shape? And don't even get me started with like TikTok, man. Like TikTok <laughs> right now. And like, th- there's actually this, my husband brought this up. He's also an, an high school English teacher. So mm-hmm. like we're, we're poking holes in the system left and right. But there's this whole PBS special about like how TikTok has really like come about and is really impressed on, on the young kids to like really make them dumber like short attention spans and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I don't know if you, have you ever heard of the book Fahrenheit 451? Yeah. Ray Bradbury. So that, that whole idea of like limiting education and like books and truncating 
things to like, you know, a novel became a booklet and that booklet became a paragraph and that paragraph became a sentence and our attention span is waning more and more and more. And, and he wrote that what, like 60 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And, And it's never been more true now. And I kind of show my kids that I was like, hey, let's let's look at some of the stuff he's talking about. But like, you're on TikTok. It's the same thing. You have like this 20 second like gratification moment. And then you just keep on scrolling. You just scroll, scroll, scroll. And I think, again, let's de- decrease our attention to the things that are going on around us, right? Because if, if we pay too much attention, then we start questioning things. Mm-hmm. Then there's more people that start talking and Kind of like in Bradbury where, you know, they start taking porches away from people's houses so they don't socialize and have conversations. And it's the same thing. Like I, I see these kids in, in my class. Dude, I have to now give tech breaks halfway through my class because the kids won't pay attention because they're so worried about missing something. Oh, wow. And when I give tech breaks, they they do not speak to one another. They just sit there and fiend out and keep up their whatever the, the snaps the streaks on the Snapchat or whatever. I call it the snappy snap. They don't like that when I call it that. Um, like, keep up with your snap. Your guys. hip lingo. Streak it up, kids. You know, <laughs> tick your talk. And they're like, stop it, Miss B. That's enough. And uh, so, but it, it's getting to that point where it's like the education system, even though we knocked it so much back, is like, you know, it's, it's devolving because our kids, you know, are just distracted in so many ways and they just don't, question or care they're just so detached you know they're so detached and that's just it gets it gets scarier every year to a different in a different way you know mm-hmm. as i become and then yeah and then covid i we lost them yeah we we lost them where it's it's gonna take us four years to get them back to baseline is what we predicted through scores and like data collection four years dude to get us back there but yeah so this rings a little bit you know differently than when it came out you know on lost dogs <laughs> you know you know one of the weird things is is it was for binaural and there's a weird sort of i don't know it's it's sort of like seems like it would have been riot act because it kind of seems more like almost political and stuff and i i mean like the the you know the, the lyric that you said or whatever uh the flags are waving news is breaking see the man who can't pick out his own tie it's like oh like if you didn't know that this was, you know, pre 2000, you'd been like, oh yeah, that's like a 9-11 reference or something like that. Yeah. And, but it's, it's before then it's, it, it, our brains are just so easy to please. I mean, like sugar gives us, you know, the dopamine. makes us go, cra- <laughs> go yeah. crazy. Our brains are like, yeah, hell yeah. And you know, t- you know, TV is like, you know, just, <laughs> You know, our brains are like, hell yeah, this is what I want all the time. I want sweet foods. I want salt. I want uh, to see things moving. I want, you know, action. I want bright colors, you know, all this sort of stuff. Chats and with, like laser beams coming out of their eyeballs. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this is what is this television show? I think the brains of the kids today are much different. They're wired differently because how they, uh, yeah, that dopamine release, right? That short gratification. There's so much, man. There's so much that the kids can jump to just media-wise. Fire pad, game systems, your phone's like three computers. You know, we had a we had a hose and like a stick. We had to mm-hmm. like go hang outside. Saturday morning cartoons was like the coolest thing ever. And you get that once a week for like two hours, you know? But and not even all of them were good. No, <laughs> Just no. like, I, I got to watch this because it's the only thing on. It's the only thing on. Yeah. 
the coolest like technology we had was like Teddy Ruxpin. And we're like, oh my God. How does it do that? He's, he's, <laughs> he's telling me a story. I'm going to put in Metallica, see him sing along to Metallica. <laughs> Dude, amazing. Wouldn't that be great? Let's rewire. Let's find a Teddy Ruxpin. Let's rewire it and uh, see if we can come up with some some of those tape things. But yeah, but that's what like it is, right? Is like they're just being that short attention pan, span doesn't allow them to have like this reflection, kind of like with this song. Like I see this song as like a like this narrator, right? Like kind of figuring it out and kind of getting out of line and questioning things. And you know, like the cave, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you come out of the cave, you try to come back and, and tell everybody, and they just think you're a lunatic. You know, everyone's just kind of this guy's out of the cave. But he goes and he goes speaks and so you know some about the realities and your thought that you're crazy, you're a fool, or there's type of like some type of sinister underbelly about what you're going to spread. And so it's just more and more difficult for people who are reflective to talk to others who you know are on a lower critical thinking scale, mm-hmm. and then they just think that they're trying to brainwash their kids about the plight of Native Americans and like our colonialist background. And it's just like no man, like. There are horrors in this world that we need to like understand and and navigate and give kids strategies or expose them to. You're not just in this neighborhood. You're going to go out there and say you do go to college or you do go into the workforce. Like you're going to meet some people that you've never encountered before. And how do you navigate those type of things? And, Mm -hmm. you know, but a lot of people just kind of stick in their own towns and in their own little bubble and their own island. So they never get exposed to that stuff. Yeah, it's it's horrible that. You have to sort of, as you grow up and and like, as you progress pretty much like through anything, it's kind of like, okay, you got to do the simplest, quick and dirty sort of, of path first. And you have to develop whatever sort of habits or structure that you're going to have. And then at some point it's like, okay, now you got to break it all down. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm learning to play guitar. It's like, okay, here's the notes. Here's the chords. You do all this other stuff. It's kind of like, okay, and so now, you know, and then, and then, okay, now, now that you know all that stuff, you have to do all this boring stuff first, and then, okay, now develop your own style, and you can learn to do all this other sort of stuff. You know, here's all the rules of grammar, and read all these, you know, dead white guys and stuff, and now you're ready to write on your own, Mm -hmm. and so forget all that stuff that you learned and develop your own style and everything. And it's just sort of like life is like, okay, I went through my life believing all of this. And in order to become yourself, you sort of have to, you know, tear down, you have to strip away all the the aluminum siding and repaint everything and sort of gut the house and change the locks and do all that sort of stuff. And you know, you have to renovate in order to live there. And and are there people willing to like renovate, right? Like, are they? Yeah, it's 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 work and it sucks because all of life is just all constant work. It's all constant work. <laughs> and like people like have developed that schema and they're like, yeah, no, I like I'm I'm fixated into this and I'm not willing to. And and that's like that's what we see more of is like, you know, at least there was like inter- like grit, right? Like people had had that grit or that like industry where like okay it sucks but like we're gonna have to do it you know like you have to get a job at like the ice cream shop or like you have to get a job at the fast food joint Mm -hmm. to get get in there and uh you have to survive it it sucks it's horrible but like resilience right perseverance and try to instill that but like now they don't even they don't even have they have no grit because there's like no consequences for lack of grit like people just create like different avenues 
oh, okay, you don't want to do that. Was that like too hard? Okay, well, you can do this instead. Mm-hmm. So like we're seeing a lot right now of lack of like work ethic, industry, follow through, and they just kind of fall back on, oh, I'm sure there's other options. Or I'm sure like, you know, that's not really the only consequence and, and things like that. So it's just kind of morphed, man. It's a lot, it's a lot of, it's a lot more dire than I think people like see it. And if I, and I'm seeing that in a, a, a pretty affluent demographic, I can't imagine what's going on elsewhere too, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's, um, it, I, I feel like I've gone through like three different timelines of education since like 22 year old Leela hit the teaching board, right? <laughs> And now it's a, it's different and you have to change. So I know that I've shifted a lot in the things I've done to like educate kids and like, yeah, screw grammar, man. I don't even teach grammar. Like I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> it's not even whatever guys, we're not diagramming this sentence. It's worthless. It's worthless to us. Um, so like some of those things, mm-hmm. you know, I've changed, but you have some of those old sages that have been teaching for 35 years that try to teach the same way they did back then for the kids we have now. And it just doesn't work. You know, it's all, it's a lot of um, what, you see around you too i mean because like if you are from sort of a lower economic background and stuff like that i mean like your parents probably didn't go to college and they just work and that's just what you do so that's what you see and you're like you know yeah i'm not going to go to college i'm just gonna work or you know it's kind of like oh yeah well i the you know like growing up i didn't know okay senior year my dad you know asks me so what are you going to do after you graduate? It's kind of like, I don't know. Cause I don't know what my options are. It's like, I guess I just get a job and it's like, well, you can go to college. You could do this, blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like, okay, well, I don't know how to do that because I don't see that around me. You know, there's other people who, you know, know about the SATs and they know about loans and they know about applying to college and they know about doing all this stuff because that's, you know, that's what they have around them because they, they know that that's an option. And if you don't know that something is an option for you, mm-hmm. it's not going to be in your head at all. You're just kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to go forward because that's the only direction I know. I don't mm-hmm. know that there's this pathway and over here off to the side that leads to this and that. Yeah. And that's like, they think that it's so limited, you know, and, and it's not, especially now. It's not, but yeah, you have to work. So like, there's this thing, it's just, it's just paradox to a lot of degree where it's like, there's so many option now for kids than they were 10, 12 years ago, but they don't want to work to get to those different pathways. And they'll Mm -hmm. just kind of concede to the traditional path or just be like, I'm going to just, you know, take my gap year and and then just kind of hang out and go do some work stuff. It's just like mind blowing now where I'm like, guys, you have all these options. Like. I talk to my kids. I'm like, listen, like you don't have to go to, you know, like, you know, CU boulders are a big thing. You don't have to go to CU boulder, like go abroad, man. Like there's all these pro like go to Italy for like a semester. Cause you know what you can, if you just like enroll in this, Oh, I didn't even know like that. That was an option. I'm like, yeah, man, like there's so much out there. So it's just kind of this disservice that they have come and, and given to themselves because they don't want to put in the work, you know, but like, man, if I could go to Italy and hang out for a semester and get my stuff done and I, I knew that was an option. Um, uh, yeah, hundred percent. I would have tried that, but you just don't know. Like you said around you, my dad didn't go to Italy. My mom didn't go to college. You know, we, we were never kind of brought up into that. You know, I grew up in a really low income kind of came from 
you know, the food stamp era Mm -hmm. and coming out of that and kind of worked, you know, my dad busted his ass and got us into like the middle class system and things like that. But like, we didn't know, but that was the one thing is that he always said like he was able, my dad's Iranian and he came to the States in the seventies. He actually went, he went to Compton college, dude, Mm -hmm. went to Compton college for civil engineering insert straight out of Compton soundbite here (laughs) and um, and like but the thing was is like that's how he got out of the country was he could apply for these education kind of grants where the government would pay for him and and that's how like he got out and um so that was always the equalizer was education for us so that's what he set our us to do even though like he didn't see it or like we didn't really get to see a lot of it, but now, you know, that's, I'm in education. Uh, my brother's a professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister has her PhD. She's a psychologist, you know, and education had such a promising platform for us and it got us to a certain place, but I just don't think it, it works that way anymore. It, I, I just don't see it work for like my kids that way, my students that way as it, as it did. So I don't know. It's just it's just such a weird shifting dynamic between like tradition and success versus freedom and options and being aware and being confident and trying to explore other avenues. Um, but yeah, we but there are systems to keep people oppressed. There are systems to keep people in power, and that's how it's always going to be, right? That's how civilization has always been, mm-hmm. and I think that's just how societies are run. Is we need hierarchies and we need militaries and and things like that and education is always a part of it but it's just also part of like the social construct and part of the big machine that we're all getting put into you know yeah but for at florida like they can't do you know just the how teaching has changed in florida you know not to get like you know i'm not trying to get controversial here or anything but systems have changed dramatically depending on where you are yeah so question that's like why are the systems like this and then you burn it down man yeah you burn it down man <laughs> Do it all. Add a cup. Add a cup. You know? And it's it, it's like that. So it's just kind of like what what changes can you make? You know? And if it's kind of that, that old adage about like, you know, the starfish that wash up on the sh- on the sea and you have that kid trying to throw them back and you're like, You're not gonna save them all. Well, I, I save that one mm-hmm. kind of aspect. That's what you know. I try to save a kid a year if I can and keep in touch with them and things like that. And kids come on to great things, but you try to the machine's so big, you're you're a cog, you know, but how much of a disruption can you make as that cog is kind of what I like to test every year. Mm-hmm. How many write-ups can I get this year from admin? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I don't know. And um, quality of teachers are, are coming out of the system much differently. People aren't going in education. So you get in other people in charge of education that don't have like, you know, the experience or qualifications and things like that. So it's just kind of like the state of education right now is... Is a pretty rough run. Yeah, so make sure you're you're voting in those school board elections. Damn it! Please, please. I don't know what is there a way that you can like figure out why these like why certain songs get cut from album because like wasn't like sad also supposed to be on this album? Yeah, I I, I think <laughs> there were a lot of songs cut from Binaural because there is a lot of songs. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hmm, do we want to make a double album for this or uh, cut it down and take and, Sweet Lou off? Of it. Yeah, because there's there there's like this, there's um you know grievance and insignificant. So there, I guess it's mostly like the Ed songs that were cut are, are are real sort of political, and then that sort of like leads into Riot Act where it is you know not cut out of that where it is. You know, the songs that were cut out of that are the more sort of emotional kind of 
lighter songs, which is kind of, you know, the reversal, I guess, of, of binaural. Yeah, you could, what, right, you have like Can't Keep on there. You know, I really like, like the UR, you kind of get in that, get to your green disease. But like, yeah, like Fatal's supposed to be like Sweet Lou. No, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> that's, you can, you can okay, then that. we all know why that one was cut. No, we all know why that one was cut. Um, but, you know, so it was, I just um, want a transcript. Like what, what happened? What happened behind closed doors? Be like, you know what? All right. It's between, you know, sad and of the girl. What are we going to, what are we going to do? You know? But yeah, I like, I mean, I know that there's, well, always people are going to hate on all the, on the albums and a lot of people completely underrated this, this album, but I, I love this album. It's one of the ones that you can play, for, you know, first song to last without skipping anything mm-hmm. like sleight of hand kind of has a little bit of that. I guess, education feel of like the routine mm-hmm. kind of getting put into the mold, you know, you wake up, you, you get in your uniform. I think it's something like it. He, he'd wake up and think like pour himself into uniform yeah. and kind of like just getting into that routine and just jumping into that, the traffic lane and just doing your, your ritual and coming home and just kind of leaving that, that drone life and stuff like that. So, you know, I think this was, you know, a somber, darkish kind of, album and education fits that i think but you're right it feels you know it's definitely a political commentary too and riot act definitely encompasses that but yeah it's just interesting i always just want to kind of figure out so like thank thank the uh the gods for lost dogs right mm-hmm. <laughs> if we didn't get that i don't know let's see i believe like this was like supposedly i think supposed to be the final track of binaural According okay. to like the 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 initial tracking list, which you know included like all the songs and everything like that, do you think it would have fit on binaural? Is there a song that you would have that you would trade it for? I think to get it to fit or oh, I wouldn't trade it. No, I don't want to trade anything off. That's a thing. Is like right? You look at it and you're like, well, you know, again, like I I I really like evacuation. I like grievance, and I think that that kind of gets get lost in there, but like. Mm-hmm insignificance like come on like those are just really hard to trade out and then again you know everything's personal everything's subjective everything hits you at a different time Mm -hmm. but you know i know that some people would trade out those songs for some others and i think there was like some people that were on um some of the the community sites that were like i i would have completely rewritten this is my my different set list that i would have put uh, binaural on and this is these are the songs i would have traded out and and you're like oh yeah but like still I don't, I don't know, you know, everything just completely hands off to one another as each track goes by and yeah. you're not going to get rid of God's dice. Nothing as it, as it seems. Absolutely not. Other, <laughs> other girl is just, I just think is absolutely like poetry and beauty in it all. And again, when I, when I got that as an opener too, I was like, oh my God, like ugly cry again, St. Louis, um, you know, and soon forget just kind of also has that whole corruption of power and like mm-hmm. money occupancy and greed kind of thing to it but you know if i had to put something from the list that wasn't education that got cut like i would have liked to have seen sad or fatal on it those would have been like if i had to like you know choose one of your children <laughs> education probably would have not have been a chosen child if in competition with those other ones if there was like one extra track and again sweet lou was you know thrown in the trash a long time ago so they would be <laughs> part of that but yeah i just think i don't know i just think it's such a clean album in a mm-hmm. lot of of ways it's not you know it's not backspacer like <laughs> getting in online that's just kind of like my personal but 
I don't think I could see really taking anything off to plug education in. I, mm-hmm. I would have put sad or, or fatal in far before um, education, just as far as I think how it complements it much more than maybe education does. Uh, but again, sad and education have a, have some sinews that they share as far as that, those openings, those, that drum, that guitar riff, the da, 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 you know, get that tribal kind of beat a little bit more on there. But yeah, I wouldn't really trade anything. Would you? What, what about you? What would you have given up as far as a, a child on, on this oh, album? Oh, I, ugh. I don't know. Just because I'm weird, <laughs> I think I would have liked to have heard the whole thing in binaural mixing mm. is is the one is the change that I would want to make. Yeah. I, I think just it, it probably would sound horrible and I would, you know, immediately regret it, but it's just because that option was there, mm-hmm. you know, that that possibility exists and we we don't have it is sort of like, you know, what what would that what was that? What how did that sound could we have heard guess, Mike's well, how, how, piano more if we had <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think like the um with a lot of the 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 lost dog parts they do say that it was that chad blake did the mixing and the engineering and and all that sort of stuff for it so i don't know well no this one was mixed by brett eliason but um you know in the moonlight and sad and stuff it, it, it it's not binaural so i don't know if he just you know, when they did Lost Dogs, they're like, okay, don't bother doing that. Just do it normal. Or if, uh, you know, they did the songs both ways and oh. kind of like, okay, do one performance with the head. Okay, now we're going to turn the head off and play it all again normal. Or I, I think they recorded them both at the same time so that they could mix it like that. But I mean, yeah. if they did, then, you know, the, he- the head tapes <laughs> are somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand. It, I mean, yeah, it was definitely um, a different take on that whole production level that they had. And it's just, it would be interesting to see what would have changed, you know? Just because it's cool to hear everything like around you. And it was kind of like, oh, the drums are behind me. And, you know, Mike's over in the right ear instead and Stone's over in the left. And, you know, there's stuff yeah, bouncing the around. isolation of it, being able to isolate some of those things. But, I mean, I would have moved some of those over to Riot Act, you know? Take out mm-hmm. Bush Leaguer and throw in Sad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of that, but, but no, it is what it is for a reason, you know? And it, it's, it's definitely just overall, just a solid, solid album. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on and, hey, uh, and, uh, and talk with me. It's this good. wasn't that scary. I thought this was going to be far scarier than it ended up being. Thank you. Oh, no, it's just, it's just, just bullshit. <laughs> oh, it's like, to that's what it is. Yeah, but, there's yeah. no. There's no, there's no quiz at the end. It's kind of like, okay, now get ready. Here's the lightning round. It's all, you know, it's just talking, talking about Pearl Jam and talking about, talking about things that, uh, they were interested in. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for the, uh, for the jump on. Thank you for, uh, being, uh, making everything comfortable. I appreciate that. Oh yeah. No problem. Yeah. If you ever, if you ever need another filler, let me know. I'm here for you. <laughs> here, maybe this, this this was the medicine. Next time you get you can uh, you can have some dessert. Fantastic, fantastic. The Better Brand Podcast is produced by Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by their respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use.
You can subscribe to the Better Van Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from bettervanpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Van Pod. I'm Brandon P. Unspoutable. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P. or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbrandpod at gmail.com or send me insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Leela, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Oh, I'm sick of doing Japanese stuff. In jail, we had to be in this dumb kabuki play about the 47 Ronin, and I wanted to be Yoshi, but they made me Ori.